0: We again. We are in this series entitled "Waiting Room," and you know we are all in different places. We're all dealing with different things, different challenges, and we're we're, again we're just we're waiting on God. A lot of times, aren't we? (laughs) We're waiting. Ultimately, we're waiting for his return, but in in situations, answers to prayer, different things, we are waiting all the time. And so um, I do hope so far these first two weeks, the past two weeks have been great. We've got this week and next week. We'll finish it up in the morning of next week. Um, But it's important because there's a lot of aspects and a lot of things we can look at while we wait and the way that we wait. Um, I don't know about you, uh, but yesterday was some, there was some, I'm gonna move to football because that's what I do. And there was some great football on, some really good football especially in that last game. That last game last night was a beautiful game. Uh, I loved it. It was entertaining, and it was enjoyable. But, you know, one thing that always fascinates me for anybody who in here who does watch football, whoever you root for, whoever that may be, um, it's, it's always, you know, one thing I, when, when, on, when their team is on offense, right, and you have that wide receiver, and it always it's one thing when they're, like, streaking down the field, you know, and they catch that ball, and they just keep trucking. But what always strikes me is when the receiver is coming across and they see that defender coming full speed at them and they're supposed to they're going to catch the ball. And in that split millisecond they realize that they are about to run into a mac truck of pain and agony and they're not supposed to drop the ball either, right? They have to like maintain consciousness, catch the ball and go down and not drop it. But they in that situation though, in those few moments of that ball, probably feels like it's in an, an eternity in the air because they just want to get it as soon as possible so they can cover it, take that hit, and get to the ground and protect themselves. And so we see, you know, again, a sense of waiting in that moment, but also a, another aspect of the offense is the quarterback, right? And, you know, when the quarterback is at practice during the week and the players can't hit him him and stuff, and they're like, they're making all those connections, right? They're making those great passes. Everything's on the money. But how many know or how many can speculate maybe? It's a whole different situation when you have a lot of large, angry men wanting to crush you, right? And they see that and the pace of that and how fast that happens. And so what they have to get used to is they have to get used to making those decisions. And, again, all of us, we know what we would have done in those situations where they missed through it, Right? Like, how did you not see that guy, right? It's right there. He's right there. He's wide open. Well, it's because, you know, again, there's like three or four large gentlemen that want to, you know, give him a big hug uh, in all the wrong ways. And so, you know, I think it's, it's, it's good for us to pause and to appreciate that, that role because, again, they are making split-second decisions in moments of high, high pressure, Right? And, you know, today it's, it's, it's something, you know, what I want us to kind of look at today and what we're going to, the theme or the, if I were to title this message, it's, it's, it's the right decisions while under pressure. Because how many of us know that while we're waiting, there can be a lot of pressure in those moments, can't there? And we have options, we have decisions to make in those moments And we can either allow that pressure to dictate our decision or we can make the right decision in spite of what we're seeing in those moments, even with the pressure. And I want us to kind of, again, we're going to walk through this. I know for myself, in waiting situations, especially if I've been waiting for a while, if I'm not careful, I can tend to sort of like go ahead and take the reins myself. And it's like, well, before I get, you know, crushed or something, I'm just going to go ahead and make my decision so it changes my situation, But sometimes God wants us to wait longer. Much like that quarterback back in the pocket, and he's sitting there. What is he waiting? He's waiting for that play to develop. Because if he throws that ball, he can throw it perfectly in the right direction to the right point. But if he throws it at the wrong time, the receiver will not be there to catch it. And so for us in life, and when we're going through trials and tribulations, we have to understand that God is working out a plan in all of us in those moments. And the danger is is if we move or if we make that throw, so to speak, at the wrong time, it can be the right decision, but if it's not at the right time, it ends up falling short. It ends up being wrong. And so understanding how that is to wait, how it is to get used to feeling that pressure as, as much discomfort. For those of you who lift weights, you know, one of the things I hated was leg day. Because of the massive amount of weight that I would have to put on that, that, those, that equipment to get a workout, I just didn't like how that felt. It's a lot of weight you're holding. And I could push it, I could do it, but it just I could sense how much pressure there was, how much weight there was. And so for us, again, in that situation, but what happens, just like you going to that gym analogy, what happens in those moments where you're loaded up and you're pushing that weight? I mean, if I just went up there and just did a bar with no, no weight on it, I could do it no problem. That's probably what my choice would be. <laughs> but when you put the weight on what happens you get stronger you build muscle you build something and for a lot of us God is wanting to build our faith he's wanting to build something in us through that pressure situation and in that moment of waiting you know in scripture and we're going to look at a gentleman today and I think this guy he's one of the most overlooked people I think in the bible right he he doesn't get the props that he needs and so today, we are going to give that to him, okay? That guy's name is Joseph, right? As in Mary's husband, all right? I don't know about you. You know, we sing all the, the Christmas carols, away in a manger, right? You know, round, young, virgin, mother, and child. Thank you. Where's Joseph, right? He's there. He got his wife safely to that scene, you know? And I'm not taking, all right, before I get booed, I'm not taking anything away from you ladies who give birth. I know that it's, it's, it's incredible, right? You know? Yes. Okay, I'm just going to stop there because I'm going to get myself into trouble. This is always just that delicate situation. We have no understanding. I get it. I know all the sound bites. We have no idea how painful it is. But Joseph was there, right? What child is this? What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Did Joseph not hold the child? Couldn't we have sung something or just at least put his name in there? Right? Mary, did you know? Joseph didn't know either. <laughs> you want to talk about finding out? Man, like... So can we agree that we can give a little time to Joseph this morning? All right, is that okay? Okay. Okay, I know he gets the major scene. and He's got his little role, but it, Mary always looks better. You know, Joseph is like the it was like the last piece made or something. Just like with the leftovers and just kind of thrown under there. But we're gonna talk about Joseph just a little bit. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter one. We're going to jump in in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary, there she is again, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, notice again, he's a son of who? David. David. So he's lineage as well, right? Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus, let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these next few moments, Lord. I pray again that our hearts would be prepared, Lord God, as we all are in a waiting room, uh, in different places, uh, different seasons. But ultimately, Lord, we are all in the same waiting room of waiting for your return, and God, as we do, we pray that our hearts would be oriented in the right way. And God, we thank you, Lord, again, for just letting this message in your word encourage us this morning, speak to our hearts, that it may bring about change. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. So today, again, we're going to, you know, we're, we're looking at this, this anticipation. We've talked about this all along. We've we talked about even what it is, you know, when a child does come into the earth and this birth of a child. And oftentimes it, it You know, a birth of a child that stirs up different, even conflicting feelings. I know, because there's many situations, many scenarios that that, you know takes place. A lot of times, it's not maybe optimal. You know, maybe there's a surprise pregnancy. Again, lots of different things, and so there can be lots of emotions. I know for us, with our when our 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 last son uh, Levi, we found out we were pregnant. It was just it was a bit of a shock. You know, we kind of had thought we thought we were wrapped up. We thought we were done. And God had other plans, and so, and we, me and Leanna, we talk about it, you know, because initially, you know, you're almost upset, if I'm being honest, you know, and that sounds horrible, um, but it's like you're kind of like, what'd you do, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and she's like, what'd you do? And you know, we're both guilty. So it was, it was, and there, there it is. The gift has been been given. So we, you know, but then. It, with time, and as you get your head wrapped around it, and you kind of settle in a little bit, you now again we're ecstatic about this little guy that runs around and you know keeps things just so much on the move in our home. But again, all those situations, even through the pregnancies, there's different ups and downs, and there's different um, uh, feelings that can come into play. And that's Jesus' birth was no different. You know, I mean, you put yourself in the, the shoes of Mary and Joseph. I mean, that you talk about a unique situation. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone here that can match the situation that they found themselves. But what was important, though, is the decisions that were made during that time, right, as they walked that out, are important. And and again, we're going to kind of look at some of those today. You know, in, in verse 18 there, as we started out, it said that, you know, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child, or she was found, yes, to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Again, you know, Pastor Santiago explained it very well last week as he laid out, you know, the time period prior to some, uh, a couple actually being married in that time. Again, in Bible times, you know, Jewish marriage customs regarding a couple's engagement are, were far different than they are now for us, especially in the Western world, right? I don't know if you were here last week or if you remember that, but they were, also they were much more stringent than those we're familiar with today, especially, again, us in the West, you know, for us, most of us here, it's, it's, you know, I want to marry for love, right? Yeah, Uh, you guys, if you're married, you should really be nodding your head right now. (laughs) I'm concerned for your safety if you don't. Um, But, you know, but honestly, though, in in all seriousness, if, if we look at statistics, it doesn't necessarily pan out as the best thing, does it? Why? Because I think most people don't understand truly what love is when they get married, and they think that it's more than that emotion and a feeling versus a, a choice sometimes. But you know, it is it is great when you're in love and when you get married in that, that setting. But for them, it wasn't like that. It was it was very different. In fact, most marriages in that time were typically arranged by the bride and groom's parents. Yeah? Amen. Thanks, Sonny. And often with without even consulting the child to be married. So you know, we did, living overseas, living abroad, we had opportunity to really see a lot of this close up, you know, front row seat. And it's not all as bad as you think it would be, right? And I think a lot, I don't know I'll say a lot because it may not be true, but the lot of the, I'll say a lot of the ones that we witnessed nowadays, even in those cultures that still do that, typically it's more like they set them up and if there's just no chemistry, there's nothing there, then, you know, they don't force them into that. They want them to be attracted to one another. Um, So it's kind of a lighter version of that, of that setup. But, you know, there is something to that, because, I mean, you think about your parents know you pretty well, and they're looking out for your best interests, and they don't get into the whole starstruck, oh, wow, but she's amazing, or he's just wonderful. He smells good all the time. And it's like, no, he doesn't. Trust me, if he's a man, he stinks at times. We just do that really well. And so, you know, there's, this, this, there's something to it, and I think there's something to be noted there. But in this time, though, when, when Jesus was born, again, this was all arranged in a contract, a literal contract would be prepared in which the groom's parents, and, and they, they paid a price for the bride. And again, Pastor Santiago reminded us that still happens for us today, and it's called a diamond, if you remember, uh, for our culture. Um, but yeah, there is a price. So there's a they enter into a binding contract with each other, and this contract again it was it was binding, and and the couple at that moment was considered married, even though they were not actually together yet. It was the same weight as being married. Ultimately, that would lead through a time. To leading up to where there would be a ceremony and then the consummation of the marriage would not occur sometimes even until as long as a year after the, that, that point would happen. And so, again, very different than what we're used to. But this time period in between, and again this gap, if you will, was sort of a testing of the fidelity with the couple having little, sometimes if any, contact with each other. So get that, so you meet somebody, you kind of sign this thing, you, you work out the whole deal, and then you may not see each other again until it's the wedding day. Right? Some of you are thinking, like, that actually doesn't sound that bad. Because <laughs> you don't have a chance to kind of see all you know all the stuff that would annoy you. <laughs> so, but that's how a lot of the times this would go down. And you know, in this time as well, and again, I don't want to make it more weird, but it's gonna be. Uh, during this historical and cultural setting, a lot of times children would be engaged, <coughs> sometimes as young as 12 to 14 years old. Now, again, that was kind of the initial, hey, you know. And honestly, we've handshaked on on one of our kids and somebody else's daughter. I'm just telling you, it's yeah. We'll see how it goes, but you know, I won't say which kid that he is sitting up here in the front. But, you know, we, we that that would happen. So, you know, again, the, the marriage wouldn't, you know, necessarily, be, it wouldn't be consummated at that point, but there was actually that much planning. And so these these kids would know, like, oh, yeah, we're going to be together one day. <coughs> so that was the engagement. And then they were betrothed. And then marriage, and what, again, Pastor Santiago mentioned the hoopa, if you remember that, that would happen at the end. You know, we saw this, uh, a close friends of ours, we actually call them family of ours, an Indian family. And one of the daughters was... Uh, basically entered into one of these contracts to be married. Um, and again, this this family was more this, a little different, you know, a little more laid back where it was kind of the introduction, make sure they were okay with each other and stuff like that. But they had signed, they kind of were in this contract and then um, down the road, the guy wanted to pull out of the contract. And literally, she had to like fly back to India and they, there was a bunch of things that had to go through to break, the, it was like a legal, like breaking a legal document, you know, and so, you know, we kind of got a real taste and understand what this means and the seriousness of it when you've, you know, made that agreement, that's like you're married, basically, and so it was a very messy, very, you know, bad thing that happened, and, and so, but it was taken very seriously, and so it's very similar to what we hear uh, today as we read this passage, but, you know, it was during this betrothal gap period, if you will, that the angel Gabriel visits Mary and tells her of her impending pregnancy. So again, think about Mary's situation, right? Think about what I just told you about contracts and what could happen. And now this angel shows up and says, hey, you're going to be pregnant. Not by Joseph. (laughs) And so, you know, Mary's asking, you know, and she's like, well, how will this be since I'm a virgin? You know, she was very careful to keep herself and to do all these things, and now she's betrothed to be married to Joseph. But again, you know, she, she's trying to, like, figure this out because she knows what's going to happen on the other side of this as she tries to explain things. And she, you know, she'd known no man uh, sexually, and, you know, it would, it would it happened that way. Her and Joseph were doing things the right way. Um, she also, she realized, again, she was going to ultimately have to tell Joseph, <laughs> There's a conversation probably none of us will look forward to, right? Probably would start out something like, you know, so what had happened was, right? <laughs> funny story. You're going to find funny. It's funny at the end of this. But How would Joseph take it, though, right? We just read this stuff. If You know what i We just read it and like, oh, yeah. <laughs> she got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, you know, and then she has to go to Joseph. He'll get it. <laughs> I totally, I totally get it. I don't know if you ever had that happen, you know, and you're dating somebody, and hey, this thing happened. They're like, I wasn't there, so, you know. You got some explaining to do, right? You got some explaining to do. So how would Joseph take it? So again, let's put ourselves in Joseph's shoes for a minute. So Mary comes to Joseph. They're betrothed to be married. I have no clue how she started that conversation. And she tries to tell Joseph, like, hey, I'm I'm pregnant. Not by you. <laughs> and Joseph has to receive this. And again, Joseph really is left with three options at this point. All right, Joseph has left with three options. First, he could divorce her publicly. And this ultimately, and again, I don't know if you've thought of this, this could have led to Mary being put to death. Because by the contract and everything else, she was legally married. She was betrothed to Joseph. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but think about the courage and coupled with the fear <laughs> that she was experiencing, because she has to tell Joseph what happened. and he could ultimately take her in front of the courts and they could stone her. Now again, not like death our style these days in the Western culture, but like literally being stoned to death. okay? So that was one option Joseph could have taken. Another one was to divorce her pri- publicly, or he could marry her, right? or he could marry. So those were the three options on the plate. And during this time, you know, you think about this and imagine what people must have been saying because again, if she, when she tells other we just we just think about it like, yeah, it just happened. But if somebody came up to you today and said, "Hey, <laughs> I got pregnant and I didn't sleep with anybody." You would say, "You're you got problems. <laughs> I don't think I believe you." <laughs> And this was Mary's situation and and people are probably starting to talk. And as she gets a little further along and she gets the little bump going, I mean, maybe things were more more flowy then, you know, people are going to start doing this. Imagine what they were saying. In fact, you know, in the day and age we live in today, imagine if there had been social media during that time and think about for a second what that might have been like. You know imagine though in our time and if we did have social media during that time what would happen and you could you can just imagine as you po- I mean if you posted something like that <laughs> and all of your friends I'm sure what they would say they would probably not know they don't wouldn't give you a thumbs up they'd be like kind of like you know direct messaging you like hey you okay you know are you taking drugs why are you talking like this because that's weird And they wouldn't have had that support, and that's something I I was trying to capture in that: is that you know even their friends, even the people close to them, it 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 didn't. Everybody wasn't like, oh yeah, sure, that makes total sense, yeah. Because one, either one, you're crazy, you know, saying that the Holy Spirit impregnated you. Number two, you have the audacity, if they did know the prophecy, that to say that, oh, you think you're the one that Jesus chose, or I mean that God chose to bear his son. So there was many opportunities for people and for criticism and for scrutiny to come at, at both Mary and for Joseph, right? Because now, what does Joseph ultimately decide? You know, he decides, you know, he's, he's gonna. we see that he does the right things, even in this difficult situation. So what does he decide? Now again, this angel appears to him in a dream and tells him the, the deal. And that's amazing. And I know what you're thinking because I thought the same thing. Like, man, God, if you just showed up in a dream to me, I could just go on till whenever. Right? You guys with me? But understand, again, once this dream ended, what he had to endure. At best, it looked like Joseph and Mary hooked up before they were married properly. Right? Can I say that as a pastor hooked up? Okay. We still understand what that is. But, you know, understand that, that that's how it would have been viewed, right? And in that culture, in that setting, you want to talk about shame, honor, and bringing tremendous shame to both of their families and to themselves, they would have been mocked, they would have been ridiculed, they would have been looked down on. You know, we talk about, you know, oh, I don't really like to advertise I'm a Christian because of the, you know, people pick on me. <laughs> you don't know what persecution is, first of all. And understand in this situation, they would have taken tremendous amounts of ridicule. And so in that situation and those kind, that kind of a saying yeah you need almost a dream because you've got to stay the course because this is an important thing that's taking place right So he we see though from this that you know Joseph did the right thing and he goes but imagine before that 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 dream took place Joseph goes from this excitement you know he's preparing things he's getting things ready for his bride and him to be together and she comes and tells him hey I'm pregnant and it's not by you. So his excitement level suddenly just goes from here down to the basement. You know, from excitement to shock. But Joseph, being a, a, a just man, it says, in verse 19, he says, bring, you know, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. So he was just going to say, you know what, he probably cared for her. You know, He's like, I, I don't want it, anything bad to happen to you. I'm just going to divorce you privately, you know, quietly, and we'll just move on, move our separate ways. And so we see Joseph, you know, choosing to do that. And even though it was seeming initially, again, before his dream that he was wronged, he was still committed to do things the right way, right? A way that was, again, just. How many times for us, if given a situation like that, would we choose to do things the right way, even when it means bearing some of that burden, right? Because first, Joseph had to spend all that time convincing people that he wasn't the father. <laughs> that's, that's, that wasn't for me. And then the shame of, of that marriage contract being broken, all of that thing, all that stuff, and he would have had to bear that. You understand? Yet he still chose to do things in a way that was, that was honorable and just, with Mary, And I just wonder for us in situations, we may do things that maybe legally are right or that we have a right to do, but is it the way that God wants it done? When we face those circumstances, when we face, you know, maybe a decision and we realize, yes, I have a right to this, yet it may not be the right way. And how many times do we choose the path of least resistance because it's our right versus choosing the path that is right in God's eyes and the path of obedience? And so that's something I think that we can glean from Joseph's example. Even in that moment, yes, the dream did come and the angel did show up later, but there was that time and he had settled in his heart that he was going to divorce her privately. That was the best he could come up with and he didn't have to do that. Joseph did things right, even in a difficult situation. Joseph, also, what I love about this this picture of him in this scene is that we see very clearly that Joseph is human. (laughs) He's human. He needs God's help, right? He needs God's help. And the amazing thing, again, you know, Joseph probably got the news he's going to divorce her quietly, but that's not what God had in, in mind, did he? That wasn't part of God's plan. God intended for Think about this. Here it is. This is where Joseph, like I said, gets a little short. God had chosen Joseph to raise his son. Jesus didn't come out as a 33-year-old man. You understand? Jesus had to be raised from being a baby to being a 33-year-old man. And praise God, he had an earthly father present with him the entire time. And for whatever reason, I don't know why we don't have more on Joseph and his, you know, his involvement, but he was there. He was there. But he needed help, and we see as, as this, this vision shows up, and it happens. And again, God gives him what he needs for the task that's in front of him to stay the right course. God shows up at just the right time. Verse 24, and it says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Man, if, if I could just get all of, the, all of us to do that, if we just did what God commanded, wouldn't that be great? Myself included, I'm with you. Don't, don't, don't take this as me talking to you. I'm talking to myself too. If I would just do what God told me to do, if our kids would just do what their parents tell them, yeah. right, If we just do what God tells it, but I love that. Like, again, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, listen, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Again, this is important because the, he did not, there was not going to be any, any inkling that this was Joseph's child. So she was truly a virgin. Understand that truly a virgin and all that that means, and she gave birth. And so it was evident that, no, there was no you know, earthly person involved here. Man, this, is a, this was from God, this, this child. And Joseph didn't want to have any involvement in that. And so he followed through on this. But I love it that God knows and sees us, and he sees when to show up at exactly the right time. Because when we were in the Middle East and we were going through a lot of stuff there, again, I've shared parts of it, some of you know those stories, and there were times of uncertainty. There were times when I just did not even know what to pray, I didn't know what to do, I didn't know anything. I was was like bordering on depression. And right when you feel like you're just gonna fall apart... Every single time, God would show up in some way. God would do something, he would meet some need, he would make it evident that that he would just be saying that, Del, I see you, I haven't forgotten you, and I will sustain you, and I will be faithful, and you will see this through to the end. Every single time. And this is why I don't care what people say or when they criticize about my faith or criticize something, or when we, even as a church, if we go through a hard situation, I've been there, done that. And you know what? Every single time, without fail, God has shown up and he's shown himself faithful. And whatever you're in today, wherever you're at today, and whatever you're facing today, I promise you, why? Not because I'm great, not because, you know, you're great, but I promise you that God will meet you in that place, but it will be exactly at the right time, and most likely, I'm sorry, but it's going to be at the point where you think you are going to lose your mind. Maybe you even think you've lost it already. But I remember in the military and they would always say that in basic training, oh I got so tired of hearing this they would just say, you know, we are going to push you beyond what you think you can do right and it is the truth I wanted to stop so many times I'm like, no Dude, can you give me bullets, please I just want this to end because I don't, I don't want to go on anymore but they would push you they would, sometimes they would encourage you there were many ways to do that. <laughs> <laughs> they would nudge you along. But God does the same thing. He does the same thing. And you may think you're at that place, and that was always the thing. You always thought, I'm like, I'm at my end. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. And you push you a little more, and they push you a little more. I remember the last, our, our last training, you know, it's like the last three days, and I probably had in that three days maybe four to five hours of sleep. That was it we accomplished everything we had to do. I would, never, I would never think I could do that in a million years. But God is with you, and God is present, and he is going to show up at exactly the right time that you need him to. All right? Lastly, Joseph had resolve, right? Joseph had resolve. Remember, he did, the right, he did things right. He was human. He, now he had resolve. You know, yes, Joseph had a dream, but outside of Mary, no one else knew they wouldn't have known that, about those dreams, would they? <laughs> they didn't, God didn't show up to like everybody. I mean, you had the, the shepherds and things like that when Jesus was born. But the circumstances and the situation, so again, they had to face all that scrutiny together, all that stuff, telling people. But Joseph saw it through. He saw it through. He clung to you. And again, like that, that, that scripture I say, you know, he did as the, the angel had commanded. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to see it through. And the amazing thing is it says, it says right at the end there, of verse 24, and who, who called his name Jesus? Can you guys pull that up? Is that there, the last passage? I'm going to wait this time. What does it say? What's that last sentence say? Who called him Jesus? He. Joseph did just for the record. <laughs> Why is this significant? I know you're asking yourself. I'm glad you did. Listen, by him giving the name to the boy, Joseph officially accepted that child. If there was another situation, if the, when the father would place that name on that child, that was showing and signifying that I've accepted this child as my own. Much like Isaiah 43, verse 1, when God says, I have called you by name, you are mine. Joseph is saying, I'm calling this child, and he now belongs to me. He's entrusted into my care on this earth now, and I will take care of him. And the amazing thing, too, is this also gave this child the status of a descendant of David as well. Now, Mary was also in that line, but, but Joseph was as well, and he gives him this status You see, Joseph had withstood all the contention and strife, and in that moment when he named that child Jesus as he had been commanded, he saw it through, and then he raised that child in the ways of honoring the Lord and knowing the Lord. You know, I know we think about it, and I, I don't know exactly because it's, it's not all in the Scripture of how, you know, I think people, you know, I don't know. It says Jesus never sinned, right? I don't know how that looked when he was being raised as a child, but I'm sure there were moments where his dad had to instruct him and had to help him, you know, figure things out. He learned somewhere along the way how to be a carpenter, right? I don't think he came out and the baby in the manger, I don't think he, like, made his own manger, whittled it out of a solid piece of wood. So Joseph had a significant part as a father in this, this boy's life in raising Jesus, as you bring this to a close, and, you know, as we just wrap things up here, you know, waiting again in this situation for a birth of, this, of a, any child, you know, it can bring expectant joy, but it also can bring anxiety of the unknown, if you've been there in your first child especially. But even our last child, you know, it's anxiety as well, because, like, how are we going to do this? You know, we're, like, a lot older now than we were with our first child. But it can bring different feelings and emotions what so I want to encourage us is as we wait for Jesus we can embrace this beauty along with the mess and we can make sure that we do things the right way along the way right we can be sure to do things in obedience to what God has called us to again Joseph's emotional roller coaster excitement shock confusion fear resolve and ultimately led to obedience and wherever you're at in that emotional roller coaster whatever it is in that situation Make sure you end up in that place of obedience. If you don't know what that is yet, that decision, it's okay, wait on God. But when you know it, then you know it. My wife and I, when we were, you know, we were candidating here for this church, I know you guys were looking for a church and you were looking to vote a pastor and looking at us, but we were equally looking at this congregation. We were looking at this church and we were praying, God, is this where you want us? Is this where you have us? And we both felt like this is where God was leading us to come. And because of that, whatever comes and whatever challenges we face, that's how we persevere. Why? Because we believe with all of our hearts that God has put us here for this time and for this season. And so we persevere and we continue in that. And for whatever your situation is, if you know God has called you, then you persevere and you stay the course. Listen, life is messy. It's uncomfortable. It's unpredictable. It's hard. But it is also beautiful. Beautiful. And it'll always be 100% worth it, I promise you, if you stay the course. Like those who waited for the first Advent, we wait for the second Advent of Jesus amid the mess. And we find along the way, again, as we looked at today, this this, this expectant joy that we can have even in these moments of trial. Understand we're pointing to the church, and again, Pastor Santiago last week, he, he alluded to some of this and explained some of this, but you know, the bride of Christ, if you were here last week and you, you got one of these ribbons, right, reminding us of the bride, the bride gown. Understand that, again, Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, it's talking about husbands and wives, right? It's talking about husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Let me explain something. If you look around like me, we all see it. We have blemishes, don't we? But praise God, because of Jesus Christ, we are made clean and we were made acceptable before a holy and almighty God. And so we can be that church, but again, we are in that waiting period. Do you understand? Do you understand what this has been saying? Is when we said yes, when we signed that contract, so to speak, right? We signed that agreement. And so now we are waiting on the Lord's return. We are waiting for the groom to return, what? To take us home into eternity, to be present with him forever. The question is, is will we, will we be found faithful in that time? Or will we sell ourselves, will we give ourselves to the things of this world? Will we, will we settle for less than God's best? Sadly, I know that I've been there many times where I've, I've, I've given into things that are simply just empty. But praise God for what, what ultimately what Christ would do as he went to the cross to, to make a way to pay for our sins. That there's forgiveness readily there. There's mercy and there's grace right there following us every step of the way. So when we make those bad choices, we make those mistakes and when we fall, God's there, he picks us up. We say, Lord, I, I messed it up again. He's like, I know. But my grace is sufficient. The price that I paid on that cross is sufficient for you. Will we, will we be found faithful is the question to what God's called us to. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for, God, just the fact that you you came into this world in such a amazing way. Unassuming, unexpecting, just you came in and as a child, Lord. God, we thank you that that you would grow into a man and as you were fully God and fully man and and ultimately you would go to the cross to pay for for my sins and for the sins of your people. God, we thank you that there is a way, Lord, that there is forgiveness, Lord, for our sins. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning in this room. I pray for those watching online. I thank you, God, that you see their situations. You see the places even of their mistakes. And God, you've already extended your grace and your mercy and your goodness to them. God, for those who are who are, maybe are stubborn, as you know, as Tom shared in, in his stubbornness, and we are all stubborn. But God, just that, let us not be stubborn in that place of saying, "Lord, I, I messed up. It's my fault. I, I made a mistake again." Let us learn to accept just readily, Lord, your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. God, I thank you. And if there's anyone here, Lord, in the, within the sound of my voice, that is holding on to something that they have not given over to you. God, I pray that we would confess that this morning, that we would open up that, that blockage, Lord God, for your spirit to just infiltrate that area of our life. God, that we would watch what we do, what you do, Lord, through us. God, for those here who are in that season right now of test and trial, Lord, and at that point of feeling like they're gonna break, Lord God, I pray that you would just meet them in that place and that they would have that sense and they would see something in some way, Lord, to know that you are near, that you are present and that you are at work through them. Give them the strength, Lord, to persevere. Give them the strength, Lord God, to be obedient to what you've called them to. God, we thank you. We thank you for this season, Lord, of Advent that we are in. And God, we thank you that no matter what the circumstance, that we can have true joy in our hearts. God, we ask, Lord, that again, you would change our hearts this morning, that this word has landed on good soil, and that, Lord, ultimately would take root, and that, God, it would do something amazing. Yeah, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Would you-